What's up, all you beautiful human beings out there? Happy Monday. Welcome back to the second episode of the Mindset segment on the Dreamology podcast. As a reminder, the Mindset segment is a solo segment of the show, no guests, where I break down important lessons for our journey of life. I decided to call it Mindset because everything starts in the mind. Our thoughts, our beliefs, our perspectives, everything. If we can train the mind, we can literally accomplish anything. And this obviously fits the mission of the podcast in general because on the Dreamology podcast, we are trying to study how to make our dream life a reality. And not just the traditional American dream, but the modern American dream. What does it really look like in today's world? And there is a lot of us out there, myself included, who have dreams of building big businesses, traveling the world, and doing a lot of incredible things with their life. In order to do that, we need to have a strong and healthy mind. And so here we are, episode two of the Mindset segment. And on today's episode, it's actually a bit of a follow-up from last week's episode called The Eight Happiness Habits. If you did not listen to last week's episode, I highly encourage it. I broke down eight simple things we can do on a daily basis based off the research done by Dr. Lori Santos in the class, The Science of Well-Being, which is the most popular class ever taught at Yale. So if you didn't listen to that one, definitely go check it out after you are done here. But the follow-up is, there's a thing that I mentioned in last week's episode, and a few people messaged me about it. And so I figured I would make my own episode about this specific topic. The topic has to do with Richard Davidson's research. Now, Richard Davidson is a psychology and neuroscience professor at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. He is the founder of the Center for Healthy Minds, which has a mission to cultivate well-being and relieve suffering through a scientific understanding of the mind. He is also a two-times New York Times best-selling author. He is friends of the Dalai Lama, who actually is a big inspiration for Richard's work because Richard said, I want to see the science behind what we are doing here with meditation and enlightenment. And finally, Time Magazine has named him one of the most 100 influential people in the world. So there's a little bit of credibility for Richard. What we're talking about here today is what he calls the four independent brain circuits that influence well-being. And the four are the ability to avoid mind wandering, the ability to maintain positive states, the ability to get out of negative states, and the ability to be generous. And so we're going to break down those four things. And why are those important? Well, they're important because Richard says that well-being is a skill that can be trained. And the science behind this fact makes us a kinder, wiser, and more compassionate world. And so if all of us big dreamers and entrepreneurs out there can learn how to bring more wisdom and compassion and empathy to not only ourselves, but also to the world, we can make some real progress and change out there. And before we jump into it, I just want to mention that he is offering the Healthy Minds program for free during COVID. And the goal of the Healthy Minds program is to translate pioneering neuroscience into tools for everyday life 
and the unique framework guides you through the four pillars of sci the science of training their mind, which they are labeling in this program, awareness, connection, insight, and purpose. And so if that interests you, you can go to tryhealthyminds.org and you can try it for free. And that was not an ad. I just think that that would be a really cool thing to do, and I'm going to check it out myself. <laughs> so here we go. The four independent brain circuits of well-being. And now before I dive in, the last note to make is that the studies show that all of these parts exhibit plasticity, or in this case, neuroplasticity. And what does that mean? Well, neuroplasticity is the brain's ability to reorganize itself by forming new neural connections throughout life. Basically, it's our brain's ability to grow and expand. And this is why people, when people say, you know, I just am the way I am, or I'm never going to change, that's actually a mentality more than a fact. Actually, it is false because our brains can change. And so what Richard says is that we can take responsibility for our minds and for the intentional shaping of them. And so here we go. Number one of the four parts of well-being. Number one, and it makes a lot of sense, is our ability to maintain positive states or summarized a positive outlook. Right. So this is the simple idea of seeing the positive, savoring the experience, seeing the basic good in people and trying to find the best in scenarios. And again, this kind of makes sense, right? Your ability to, to see the positive things and to lead with that and have that guide your experience seems to make sense that it would lead to lasting well-being. And so simple practices, right? I'm not going to spend too much time on this one because this one's the most straightforward. But simple practices of loving kindness or compassion meditation can alter this part of your brain very quickly. And so what do I mean by loving kindness or compassion meditation? Well, it's basically a fancy word for saying, you know, if you are religious, if you were religious and grew up in a church, prayer. Or if you're not religious and you didn't grow up in a church and you don't pray, the simple act of thinking about and wishing well for others and for yourself. Right? That's what about loving kindness is. You're basically spreading love and good energy to yourself and others. And so the reason why prayer is a great analogy is because that's what people do a lot of time in prayer. They will think about family members or friends or the world or the homeless person they saw on the street, and they will you know, send a prayer for them. Or they'll be struggling uh, in their own life in something, right? And they will pray for their own strength and their own courage. And so that's one simple way to kind of maintain a positive state is every day you can sit down and you can simply try to send that energy to yourself and others. Now, obviously, there's a lot of other ways that you can have positive states be induced. I won't break them all down here in this episode, but like I said, if you go back to my eight happiness habits episode, you'll find a lot of good ways to maintain positive states and to have happiness habits be a part of your life. And so, that one's pretty straightforward. Ability to maintain positive states. The second one is about resilience or our ability to recover from negative states. And now what's most fascinating is that these circuits are actually completely independent. And we might be, you know, this actually applies to me a lot because I think that I am very good at maintaining a positive state. 
But what I realized is that maybe my resilience was a little low because when something bad happens, it hits me pretty hard normally. And it's kind of hard for me to get out of that negative state. And so knowing that these are two separate things allows you to detach from the idea of saying, oh, I used to be so positive. What happened? Why did I lose that mindset? Well, maybe you didn't. Maybe what you need to train more is this idea of resilience. And here's the reason why this is so important. We tend to go on a negative feedback loop. So if something negative happens and we get stuck there and we start to live in that space, live in that mental headspace, human beings are very good at seeing things that we're thinking about and then having that affirm our thoughts and becoming our reality and just having to go over and over and over and over again. It's the negative feedback loop. What we think on and what we believe is usually what we will see. What we see is usually ends up shaping our beliefs even more and it becomes more and more rooted in reality. And so when I was researching Richard's work just off of the first glance here and from what I've read and researched, I was struggling finding anything that was really, really in-depth about ways to build resilience. And so I decided to go to other resources on what are some good ways to build resilience. And so what I did is I went to the Greater Good Science Center. This is actually at University of California, Berkeley. It's similar to the Center for Healthy Minds that Richard Davison started. A little bit of a different mission, but kind of some of the same ideas. And I found three ways to build resilience from them that I all found to be quite powerful that I will share with you here. Number one is change the narrative. And so a big part like what they said is a lot of times if something goes wrong, whether it's in your life, your business, whatever it might be, relationships, the idea is to kind of mask it and to continue going on like nothing really happened. Well, that's not really going to actually help you get out of that state of mind. And so changing the narrative, step one, is you have to kind of admit what happened, admit what you're feeling, and admit the negative that occurred in your life. But the next part of that, changing the narrative, is you find the silver lines. Once you've admit all the crap that's happened, all the bad stuff, and you're open and honest about, like, this happened, I felt like this, and this wasn't fun, it wasn't good, then you start to reshape the narrative, change the narrative by finding the silver linings. And now this touches into how do we break out of the negative feedback loop? What's well, actually called the reticular activating system. And let me tell you about the reticular activating system. This system is controlling what our brains focus on. And so there is so many stimulus in the world. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of things going on at one time all around us. Yet, we somehow stay calm. We somehow don't freak out. Well, this is the reticular activating system basically saying, hey, Timmy, or whoever you are, insert your name, here is the 0.01% of things you should pay attention to. That is what you should pay attention to. This is what's most important. And so, when we're identifying the silver linings and we are bringing those to the surface. Well, you know what? Yeah. Uh, let's see. This thing went really wrong in my business last week and I've been in a funk, but here's the things I learned or this relationship. Here's this happened. And here's the thing I learned or in my personal life. You know, I missed this X, Y, and Z social event and this and this happened. And here's what I learned. And when you focus on what you learn, when you find the silver linings, what you're doing is you're telling your brain something new to focus on. 
So instead of focusing on those negative thoughts and having that be the feedback loop, you can start to find the lessons and you start to ingrain the lessons in your brain and all of a sudden the positive outcomes start to become the feedback loop and you're able to pull yourself out of that negative state and bring yourself back into a positive state so you can keep moving forward, keep doing the work that you have to do in the world, keep building your business, whatever it might be. And so change the narrative, I think, is one of the most powerful ways to get out of a negative state of mind and to build resilience. The second thing of the three ways to build resilience is facing your fears. So they say slowly and repeatedly expose yourself to the things that scare you most. And they're calling this exposure therapy. And I remember in my psychology 101 class, we learned about the mere exposure effect. The more times that you are exposed to something, you will get used to it and you will actually like it more. And so if you're very afraid of something like public speaking, for example, and you continue to public speak more and more, that will no longer be a fear and you will have built resilience in that category. And now I'm actually going to bring in a little bit of a new twist to this whole face your fears idea. And I've talked about this before, and some of you know this, but I recently found the work of David Goggins. It was the start of quarantine, and my buddy and I decided to do his 4x4x48 four by four by challenge. And so what this was is it's basically you have to run four miles every four hours for 48 hours. And so you end up running 48 miles in 48 hours. And now some of you might be thinking, well, why the hell would you want to do that? Well, it's a great question, but for a few reasons, one of them being at the core of it, what are we made of? David thinks that we're all living at about 40% of our potential. And when you do things, when you do things, when you face your fears, you do something crazy, you can look back and say, I just bursted through my potential. I just skyrocketed through it. And so the reason why I'm saying this is that David has this thing called the cookie jar. And the cookie jar is anytime he does something where he faces fears and he does something, you know, that he's proud of, he puts it in his cookie jar. And I actually made a physical one, but I think he just has this in his head. And when things go wrong, when things go bad in his life and he enters a negative state of mind, he reminds himself by going to his cookie jar of all the times he's faced his fears, all the times he's gotten out and done things that he is proud of and reminds himself that whatever he's going through right now, he can get out of. And so a good reason for facing your fears is not only conquering those specific fears, but it's also when something goes wrong in the future that you can't expect, you can remind yourself, hey, I've gotten out of negative, negative things before. I have faced my fears before. I can do it again. And the more and more you do that, the more resilience you will build to these negative experiences and the more you will be able to get yourself out of the negative places. And finally, the third one is to just practice self-compassion. Without judgment, label what you're feeling, remember you aren't alone, and be kind to yourself, right? A lot of times when we're in a negative state of mind, we apply the double-edged sword. And what do I mean by this? What I mean by this is we'll do something wrong and we'll feel the pain of that experience. Now, instead of just feeling that pain, we'll stab ourselves again because we become mad at ourselves. We judge ourselves for feeling that pain. We judge ourselves for feeling. We judge ourselves for whatever it might be. And this only causes more pain. And so if we can just bring compassion to ourselves and say, hey, I'm going to be okay. You know, show yourself empathy, show yourself compassion, then you can get out of these negative states. And so those are three great ways to build resilience. Change the narrative, 
face your fears and practice self-compassion. And as a bonus, I wanted to add in a part of the Stoic philosophy of memento mori, which is basically death meditation. Sounds intense, but basically the idea is preparation. Understand that negative things can happen before they happen. Death can happen any day. And so memento mori is the fact that a lot of Stoic philosophers will say every day they'll remind themselves that death is possible today and that something very bad can go wrong. And when we remind ourselves this, and that the only thing we can control is how we respond, we're more mentally ready for something that's negative. We're not blindly positively walking into the world saying nothing's going to go wrong because when something does, our reality is destroyed. And so just it's a simple reminder of preparation. And you can find any way to do this of saying, you know what? Yeah, things could go wrong. And when they do, because they inevitably will, I will do my best to respond in a way that allows me to continue to carry on my mission and work in the world. All right, so we just covered positive outlook and resilience. The third one is our ability to focus and avoid mind wandering. And I mentioned this a bit again in the eight happiness habits episode. But basically the idea here is attention. And the idea is that a wandering mind is an unhappy mind. Well, here's the sad fact of it. 47% of American adults are not paying attention to what they're doing at any given moment. And those people report being less happy when they're not paying attention. If your mind is distracted, it exacts a toll on your well-being, says Richard Davidson. And so why is this happening? Well, again, I've mentioned this before, but there's a part of our brain called the default mode network. And this, brain, this part of our brain is basically saying when we don't have a task to focus on or when we don't feel focused, we go to that part of the brain and it starts to search for something to focus on in the past or in the future. And we can live in that space or we do live in that space as the study shows for about 47% of the time. And this means that only 53% of our existence, we are being focused and in the moment and right, everyone says like live more in the moment, be more present. Well, this is it. This is our ability to avoid mind wandering and to be present. It comes down to this segment alone. And this is why meditation is so powerful. Davidson's research in the Center for Healthy Minds has studied mostly mindfulness and meditation practices. That's what a lot of his work has to do with. Meditation exists to develop this segment. A lot of people think how meditation is just breathing, clearing your head. It's so much more than that. The idea behind focusing on your breath or focusing on a mantra, uh, so a mantra would be a phrase that you repeat to yourself, maybe like something like, I am a leader or, or you know, I am surrounded by love and compassion or whatever it might be, a, a mantra. The reason why we do this is that we're training ourselves to focus on one thing. So when you're focusing on your breath, the idea is, you know, you're, you're thinking about it, you're thinking about it, and inevitably after five seconds, your brain will wander elsewhere. And the idea is you just notice it and you bring it back to the breath. Same with the mantra. You're repeating it, you're repeating it. Eventually, you're going to realize your brain's going to go elsewhere. You realize it and you bring it back to the same point. And the more you do this, the more you're self-correcting over and over and over and over and you're going to be able to start to focus better. You're going to start to bring more attention to that one specific thing. And so outside of meditation, when you're out in the world, when you're working, when you're with a friend, when you're trying to complete a task, you're going to be able to more properly be equipped and have the, the skills developed 
to be able to pay attention and to be in the present moment. And that means to have a happy mind. And so the one suggestion I'd have is a simple breath meditation. Sit down five, 10 minutes a day and focus on your breath. Train that attention part of your brain. All right. And finally, number four is generosity. Our ability to be generous. And how cool is that? How cool is it? Like taking a step back that we come, as Davidson says, factory equipped for cooperation, compassion, and generosity. And it's, it makes sense, right? It's no wonder we feel so good when we give. How we love giving gifts. How we love doing random acts of kindness. It feels good. And it's actually a little bit opposite of kind of our intuition, right? Our intuition tells us if we're feeling down or having a bad day, uh, I'm going to go treat myself, right? Well, the study shows that people actually enjoy spending money on other people more than we enjoy spending money on ourselves. We love being able to do nice things for others. And if we can harness this, right, because a lot of this comes and stems from we love being kind to those around us, to our friends and family. But if we can harness this power and feeling, understand that the world is connection, connected, and there is only one race, and that's the race of humanity, and also is the, the animals and the planets and everything, we can start to really ha- harness this generous wiring, this hard wiring to make the world a better place. And so what are things we can do to be generous, right? Well, Random acts of kindness, volunteering, using your strengths to help others on a daily basis, right? And that taps into a deep level of purpose. You know, if you're doing kind things for others and you are using your strengths to do them, and added on top of that, if you find a way to make money doing that, then you just found yourself a calling and a reason for being. And so I think generosity and doing nice things for others is actually the birthplace of how you find purpose on a daily basis and how you find a life worth living. And so that is extremely powerful and that can make your life insanely meaningful. And so to close, remember the four things, positive outlook, resilience, attention, and generosity. Before you close out of this episode, take out your notes and write them down and think about all the things that I said and ask yourself, hmm, how could I start building these things? Because remember, the key idea here is that well-being is a skill. You have more control over the health of your brain than you think. And on your journey of starting businesses and chasing big dreams, you will need to stay mentally strong and maintain positive mental health. So it's extremely important for not only your well-being, but also the work that you do in the world. And remember, if you are interested in taking the Center for Healthy Minds program, they're offering it for free during, quote, COVID. I have not checked it out, but I have all the most confidence in Richard and the work that he does. And I'm sure this program is extremely powerful. And so if you want to just check it out, again, that's tryhealthyminds.org. Go give it a look. I'm going to do the same right after I record and finish this episode. So everybody, with all that being said, thank you for joining me on this episode of Mindset. I appreciate you more than you know, and I'm grateful that you are spending the time to learn more about yourself and how you can be a positive force in the world. It's truly a beautiful thing. The world needs you. The world needs your energy. The world needs your passion. The world needs your light. And so go out there and make your dream life a reality. And I will see you next time. <laughs>